very happy Tuesday to you all. Yeah. Oh, that's a good way to start. A very yeah. happy Tuesday. I was like, where are you going with this very happy? Ah, that's great. Just, that's, that's all. Great. Just leave it right there. It's perfect. Uh, if you happen to be watching or listening after Tuesday, uh, two things to say. We're glad. Second, you're a little behind the curve, though, because we release on Tuesday. It's up on Tuesday. Yeah. If you're wondering, like, what could I possibly be doing during my Tuesday lunch? You can probably be be listening or watching this. It's like having the lukewarm version of the show rather than the piping hot right out of the oven version. Yeah, it started to temper. You know, it's it's not it's not quite as uh, as crisp. Yeah, it's like oh, you might need to microwave it to put a little life back into it. Speaking of hot out of the oven, it's Mm. Thanksgiving week. It is Thanksgiving week. So yeah, we want to wish you all a very very happy Thanksgiving. Thanks for tuning in today. Uh, And actually, it works out perfectly because what we're discussing today is really worth being thankful for. Possibly the thing you should be most thankful for in your entire life. Possibly, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I was headed, it was a for sure, but it was Uh, more just like building I get it. You were being coy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You know, last week we talked about the fall of mankind, how we broke the world was the name of that episode, which was, Mm -hmm. it took us pretty low. We talked about the Garden of Eden. And I th- not a high point for we had what I do. thought was a very fun was a very fun discussion. The conversation was great. Happens to be one of my favorite one of my favorite things to talk about because it's just so packed with like thought provoking, interesting stuff. We talked about ain't the whole angels and demons thing. Mm-hmm. We talked about the serpent, Adam and Eve and their decision to to betray God by sinning. It was a fun episode. And we've got some comments of people saying that they thought that was fun. They I wanted to hear more it. about angels and demons in the future. Everyone's always oh, yeah. fascinated with the angels what and the demons. What is this? Yeah. And if you listen to the podcast, I'd encourage you to go on YouTube so that you can see the awesome picture of a uh, snake that Doug added as the thumbnail for that episode. Yeah, a very mean looking one. Yeah, it's very antagonizing. And if it, it makes you want to click on it. It does. It made, yeah. yeah, it made me want to click on it. Anyway, the point I was making is last week we took it we we took it down low, low, low. Uh, we had to talk about as we continue to have this worldview discussion. What what are the four questions that a good worldview needs to answer? One of those big questions, which we covered last week, was why is the world the way it is? Why is the world broken and imperfect? Every worldview has to account for that, and every worldview does, but does it in different ways. Uh, so last week we talked about the Christian account of why the world is the imperfect world that we observe. Uh, and that was a lot of a lot of fun. Uh, but today, we get to kind of take things up. We, we're turning the energy the upward because today we're talking about the next question that every good worldview needs to cover, which is how can this broken world be made right again? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so we didn't plan it this way, but it works out perfectly that we're talking about this on Thanksgiving week. Um, so we strongly it, encourage you as your for. family, like you take the turkey out of the oven... You sit down, you, you got the gravy, the mashed potatoes, you got the, you know, whatever else you do, and just turn on this episode in the middle of Thanksgiving dinner, <laughs> and, yeah. and just be listening to yeah, the good do that. news as you guys are, are eating silently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Dude, you have a, do I? You have a What's string that? on your microphone. It's like all I could How see. How did you see that? Well, I'm, wear, I'm wearing my glasses. It with the black. Wow. Anyway. Okay. You know, I'm just trying to look out I for you. I was going to bug why, you the whole you so time. Upset? Thanks for taking care of that. All right, well, let's get into it. So so we do know that every every worldview gives some account for why the world is the way it is. It's the whole point of a worldview is to explain the world that we find ourselves in. Um, not every worldview does it the same way, and not every worldview, I would say, does it well. That's why the first episode in this series was, is your worldview bogus? Here are four questions to ask to figure that out. Not every worldview 
uh, gives an answer for how things are that's compelling and that makes sense or that is even logical or rational. Mm-hmm. Um, the Christian perspective actually, I think, does the very best job of of accounting for the world we live in. That's why I believe in it. We'd agree in that, yeah. Yeah, I believe in Christianity not simply because like, I want to or whatever. I believe that Christianity is true because it gives the most accurate, mm-hmm. comprehensive, clear, and rational response or or explanation for the world as we find it. Yep. That makes Christianity compelling for me. Uh, now, every worldview um, tries to tackle these questions, or every you know prominent worldview at least. Um, and the question we're talking about today is how it can be fixed. And, and some some worldviews give different angles to this or give different answers. The attempt to answer the question of why is the world broken, how can it be fixed in a very in various different ways. For example, some worldviews say that through things like discovery and technological advancement, we can fix the world. Like th- this, We can make this world a perfect place through discovery, through technology, through, through, science. through scientific, you know, through the scientific method. Yeah. Uh, and, and that may make an aspect of human life a little bit better. We can acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. Some would say things like certain rituals, like there are certain religious systems that say you have to do these certain rituals in order to have right standing with God or in order to make your crops produce, you know, the kinds of, yeah. you know, the amount of you know, produce that you want and that kind of stuff. Um, some say through theocracy, you know, you, you have um, some systems that say we need to set up, you know, God's Command. kingdom on earth and, and he needs to be ruling directly and that sort of thing. Uh, a lot of people, uh, I think even Christians do this a lot. They, they see the world as, as changing through politics. That's sure. Pastor Rick says all the time, now, yeah. yeah, revival and, and a real Real change doesn't come through politics. No, uh, those are forced changes. And we'll talk a little bit more about changes. the difference between force and uh, will later, but yeah. And as we'll come to, I'll say more about this in just a second. They o- These answers only deal with a small piece mm-hmm. of the human problem. We'll talk more about that. Uh, some say through social reforms. Like if we just, if we... If we start becoming more socially conscious and start just doing good to one another, that that will change the world. And again, it might in a limited sense yeah. uh, through self-discovery. Um, you know, there's there's a there's like a growing movement to um, to explore your personal truth and find out who you are. And through self-discovery, that you can find ultimate happiness and goodness in life. Um, through tolerance and acceptance, that if we all just if we accept one another and, and love one another, which even Jesus commanded, the, the whole golden rule idea do unto others that you'd have them do unto you, like that could change the world. And again, it could to an extent. Here's the problem with most worldviews. They recognize typically only a small piece of the total human problem. Everything that we've named so far can can maybe aspire to change an aspect of human life or fix an aspect of a broken world, but every, virtually every worldview fails to see a comprehensive picture. So they only see certain aspects of the world as being broken, and therefore the remedies that they give only deal with certain slivers of, yeah. of, of reality. And, and that's, that's an issue. It's a huge issue. So the, the question I want to start with today is, what's the big problem? What's the primary problem? And if you listened to last week's episode uh, or watched, you know we laid out the biblical account, which is that sin and ultimately, our rebellion against God is is the ultimate problem. We can sum that up here. The way I've written it here is the, the ultimate problem, the main problem, is a severed relationship with God. Mm-hmm. That it's by the broken friendship between God and man is what has, in the end, caused every problem that we see. Yeah. And so, <clears throat> that's a different approach. It's to say that this one thing is the cause of 
all the other things. That's a that's a big statement, but I, I think it makes actually a lot of rational sense. Well, yeah, it, it think I think as you said, it, it does make a lot of rational sense, and it, it brings me back to our um, episode we did many, many, many weeks ago um, on the soul, our our all your soul episode. Mm, yeah. And, you know, we talked about how our souls, like, are longing for that relationship with God, and yet the ways of the flesh, like, it, it brings us down, and so yeah. we need to do or engage ourselves in practices yeah. that reconnect our souls with God. And yeah. that's this idea here of yeah. the severed relationship in trying to, you know, you know recalibrate ourselves back into yeah. that relationship. Yeah. I, I, I like the example of a, of a flu virus. So... Uh, I, I like never get a flu. I get a cold all the time, but I never get a flu. I haven't had the flu in very, a very long rarely. time. Yeah. But take a, a flu virus, for example. When you when you come down with a flu, you may experience a whole host of symptoms, right? I mean, everything from like runny nose, congestion, Some fever. Some of which we don't want to talk about on this. A fever, yeah. body aches and pains, that kind of stuff. You, and And these symptoms seem very different. Like aches and pains are very different from a runny, congested nose. Yeah. Uh, it's very different from a fever. And so... The interesting thing there, though, is that even though you might experience a wide variety of symptoms, they are all caused by one single problem. The problem is the virus. Mm-hmm. Now, we can take this analogy and apply it to, to mankind, and this is ultimately the Christian worldview on this, is that there may be a wide, extraordinarily wide variety of human problems mm-hmm. and, and broken aspects of the world, like poverty, uh, disease, and death, obviously, are huge ones. Um, evil and injustice and, and um, um, mistreatment of, of the weak or the poor and that kind of stuff. There's, all, there's tons of symptoms. Yeah. But under the Christian worldview, all those symptoms are ultimately caused by a single problem, which is sin, the sin that results in the separation from God. And so if you think of the, the flu analogy or the, a virus analogy, it's, it's the same idea. You may have a multitude of symptoms, but they all stem back to one root cause, one big problem. The same is true of mankind. All the problems that we experience under the Christian worldview all stem back to this one root problem, the problem of sin and a broken relationship with God. And where there is one big problem under the Christian worldview there's one big solution. One big solution. So what's the big solution? Well, if if the problem is that we have a severed relationship with God, our solution would be a restored relationship with God. And that, in the Christian worldview, can only come in, in through a relationship with Jesus. It's only made possible with Jesus. And, um, and I know a lot of times we as Christians may get some flack or whatever, be like, oh, you know, that's that's a closed-minded way to think. There's only one, so you know, and that's only one answer, and that's the cure-all for everything. Yeah. Come on now. And, but it, it makes sense, as we were just talking about, if there's one big problem, it makes sense that there is one big solution. And it makes sense if you think about it in terms of a God who, you know, is sovereign amongst all, you know, over all things. Yeah. He, you know, is the creator God, is an all-loving God, everything that we've talked about God in the past episodes, you know, that he would provide a way to restore a relationship with him. Yeah. And it's it's not that it's like, oh, I, I... I provided this way only so, you know, certain people of certain, you know, only certain people have access to this. Right. No. All people have access to Jesus. Yeah. All people, you know, it's a wide open door. Christ came to, you know, for all people who, you know, who believe in him, who accept him as their savior. Yeah. 
and we'll talk a little bit more about that. Yeah. Um, but what, we're, what we're talking about is the is the cure, yeah. rather than just dealing with symptoms, the way most worldviews do. A lot of other, a lot of the way that people think about it is is oh, I need this and this and this and this because I have these and this and this and this symptoms yeah. or whatever. It's like what we were talking about with that whole list of things at the, at yeah. the very beginning. It's like when you have a flu, you might take ibuprofen to to bring your fever down or to help you with the body aches, but, but that the virus won't help, is still going to be there. That won't help your runny nose. So you take something for your runny nose and your congestion, but that won't help your fever. Yeah. You take something for your cough, but that won't help you with the others. So that that's kind of the way mankind does it, is we, we try to play whack-a-mole with these symptoms, it's but true. we never deal with the core, core problem. And again, the Christian worldview says there is just one core problem and therefore one core solution. But like you said, it's not a, this is not, a, this is a door that stands wide open to everybody. Yeah. You know, if, if, if you believe that all mankind, not just Christians, were made by God, and that all mankind, not just Christians, are separated from God because of sin, then you must believe that God God provides a solution that's for all mankind. Yeah, you know, it's, so there's there's no there's no conflict there. There's it's Thanksgiving week. We're getting into the Christmas season, and it made me think of this. Uh, there's a Christmas message that Pastor Rick did a few years ago. I think it must have been like maybe four years ago, but it was called uh, "Christmas is for all people," mm. and he really hit this idea hard yeah. about. That the door is open yeah. for, for for anybody, everybody. They just have to choose to walk through it. They yeah. have to choose to accept Jesus. So, um, so we've been talking about Jesus. Let's talk a little bit about who Jesus is, shall we? Yeah. Who Jesus is. First off, Jesus is is God. Jesus is God, and we see this in in uh, John chapter one. It's it lays it out pretty clearly. It says, mm-hmm. and. It, and it, I, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and then it talks about the Word was made flesh, mm-hmm. and it's talking he about Jesus. among us, yeah. There's, yeah. The whole Gospel of, of John talks a lot about this idea of Jesus as God. Yeah. Um, I'm going to read uh, this part from John uh, chapter 8. It says, Your father Abraham rejoiced as he looked forward uh, to my coming. He saw it and was glad. And the people said, you aren't even 50 years old. How can you say you have seen Abraham? And Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. Before Abraham was even born, I am. And we'll come back to that. Mm -hmm. At that point, they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus was hidden from them and left the temple. Now, I am. Man. We talked a little bit about this, I think, in the creation uh, episode, or, or in, it, it was in, in one, one of the first yeah, episodes. It was one of the first. I think it was the creation one. I'm not sure. Yeah, but mm. this I, may be the most. Uh, one, this may be one of the most underappreciated verses. It's got to be underappreciated Bible. because there's so many people out there who'd be like, "Oh, there is no instance where Jesus said explicitly, like, like Jesus got his tenses wrong." Like what? No, I am is a clear r- reference to how God um, in the Old Testament says his name is he says i you know he my name is i am yeah. yahweh and and so it's a clear sign here that jesus is saying yeah. uh, hello i am god yeah our manuscripts of of this passage um you know so all the all the ancient manuscripts that we have of the book of john are in greek so we don't have and 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 yahweh is a hebrew word mm-hmm. so we don't have um we don't have a version that literally says yahweh but Every New Testament scholar that I've ever heard of believes 100% that what Jesus said there, because he was speaking to the Pharisees, the Jewish audience, that he said, Yahweh, before Abraham was Yahweh, I am. 
he invoked the holy covenant name, name yeah. of the creator God. And if you if it's you're so on the fence, that they didn't even spell it out the full way. Yeah, the, you know. It, well, they they even gave up saying the word yeah, because it felt like it even, was too it it was too holy for them to even utter. Mm-hmm. So they would say things like Adonai, uh, refer to him as Lord, yeah. or, or or they would just say the name rather than saying yeah. the actual <laughs> term. Um, but if you're wondering, like, oh, is that like how do we do we really know that Jesus said Yahweh there? Well, let's look look at the Pharisees' reaction. They pick up stones so, to throw at him. They immediately what? wanted to kill him for blasphemy yeah. because he called himself God. That's why it elicited such a. I mean, just him saying like, oh yeah, I was around when Abraham was, you know, even before Abraham, they would have been like, what? Okay, that doesn't make any what sense because they were already criticizing for them. But this immediately took the, took them to the point of, we need to execute this guy yeah, for, blasphemy. For, for blasphemy. So it's clear what happened. And it said Jesus was hidden. We don't really know what that means. I don't know. Like God gave him like a... A shroud. Like a cloak of... <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know what happened there, but it sounded like there was a there was a confusion that was created. He was really good at hide and seek. Well, there was a lot of times in the book of John where where Jesus uses the language, my time had not yet come. Yeah. Um, so he knew that the time of his death had not come, that that was preordained by mm-hmm. God and that, that that was coming later. He knew it was, yeah. Um, and he so this yet. wasn't the time. And so, you know, he ensured that he wasn't captured at the time. But yeah, it, it, he, he called himself God. Don't ever, don't let anyone ever tell you. If, if, if someone says Jesus didn't call himself God, it's because they have a very unsophisticated knowledge of the New Testament. This book of John passage in John chapter 8 is so clear. So clear yeah. that they picked up rocks to peg him. And it just gives... More reason, this is a show called Doable Discipleship, it gives more reason to invoke that we need to be studying the Bible. We need to know, you know, like, what was being said, actually being said. So, uh, you know, if you've never taken some time and really, like, sat down and be like, how can I study the Bible? Mm -hmm. Well, we have uh, a good class for that called uh, Bible Study Methods uh, that you can look up. There's a book that Pastor Rick wrote called Rick Warren's Bible Study Methods. Yeah. There's many ways that you can learn how to dig into the word, and this is a great reason for yeah. it, so that you can answer people, you know, who say, th- you know, something like Jesus never said he was God. You can say, well, actually, in John chapter eight, verses fifty six to fifty nine, we get a clear example. Yeah, go from there. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a layer of truth in the Bible that you can't get just with a cursory English reading. Yeah, no, like, you, you got to study a little bit because it's like that's one of those nuggets that's hidden just beneath the surface. And but it's when I first you. learned that when I was at Biola from my from a New Testament professor, I was blown away by that. I was like, oh, wow, that enhances so the clear. book of John yeah. so much. Like, wow. Okay, sorry. Keep going. No, that's great. Um, so talking about Jesus, he is God. Next part, he's a human being. Um, you're like, how is this possible? Well, it's this. So, so Jesus was fully God. He was fully man. Yeah. Right, and we see this right here, as Paul says in Philippians two. He says, "Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble, a position of a slave, and was born as a human being." Which, by the way, I and mean, this this one flat out says, "Though he was God." Yeah. <laughs> so we pretty clear, pretty Thank clear you, Paul. from Paul. That, yeah, he was God. There was no confusion, even from the very first century Christians. Um, yeah. He's a human being. Yeah, he's a human being. And, and and there's many reasons as to why that's important. But as we get this understanding uh, of who Jesus was, again, it's not something that we're going to spend the whole episode in talking about who he was. Yeah. There's, um, there's a great way to learn a lot about him in foundations. We've talked about foundations a lot. We spend two weeks on Jesus 
in foundations. Um, so take that next uh, year. It's going to be offered at a bunch of our, our campuses. Yeah. So look at, into that. Yeah. So Jesus is God. Jesus is man. Yeah. If you want a fancy theological word for the day that you can use to dazzle your small group friends, it. it's called the hypostatic union. And this is just a term that describes Jesus as being fully God and fully man at the same time. Yeah. And I know that sounds crazy because with us, percentages don't add up. Oh, so he's 100% of this and 100% of that. How can he be 200%? But, you know, without getting too like metaphysical with it, just just remember what we what you heard us say a couple episodes back where we were describing who God is and mm-hmm. how he created and that kind of thing. Like s- physical scale is not a relevant thing to God. Like small versus big is is not a big thing. The idea is that Jesus took on gen- genuine humanity, becoming yeah. a human being, and though he he was in essence God. Like the like even with us, you know, like there's a there's a you that I can see, and then there's a you behind the you. It's true. And so there's this there's if this. If you look deep enough into my eyes, you'll find it. Oh, I've seen it. <laughs> Wait, what? And it horrified me. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but Jesus is the same way. Jesus is a human being, but but the essence of him, the the person, the person of Jesus is still fully God. So it's possible to have a to have the fullness of God, mm-hmm. as is sometimes described in the New Testament present in a genuine human being. He was born. He was born in the same way that every human being throughout history has been born, other than the fact that he wasn't conceived by a human father. There was a whole And as we'll see, like he he died. Yeah. Like and, you know, he he must have been human in order he to die. Ate. He did everything that human beings did. No yeah. doubt when he was a kid he scraped his knees and uh had every he experienced every single sorrow and joy and reality of human life. And there's so many life. important elements into it, you know, that come with that. Like the idea that he was tempted, right? Mm-hmm. And we'll get into that a little bit more, but yeah. it's that idea that he was tempted as 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 every human who has ever existed has as been tempted. As Adam and Eve were tempted. Indeed. What a segue, Jason. Thank you. Let us look now to a, a, a passage in Romans chapter five. And this is this is a passage that, just links back perfectly to what we talked about in our last episode, uh, the How We Broke the World episode. We talked about the temptation from the serpent with Adam and Eve in the garden. We talked about their fall and all the subsequent problems that have come from that. This passage in Romans like ties that all together and, and, and draws the line between Adam and Eve, specifically Adam, who stood as the representative of mankind, and Jesus Christ. So, so it's a little bit lengthy, but I can't say it better than Rome than than Paul says it to in think Romans that chapter you five. Could would be silly. It would be but, silly yeah. to think that I could. So let so me so read grab this. your popcorn. And yeah, I mean it's it's a couple paragraphs. It's, it's not crazy long. I'll try to read it with uh, with my, haste, my smooth radio voice. No, <laughs> oh. I'm not going to rush it. I'm not going to rush it, but I, I, I'll try to make it as pleasant as possible. All right, so let's begin reading. We're in Romans chapter five, verses eight through twenty-one. It says, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. Yes, people sinned even before the law was given, 
but it was not counted as sin because there was not yet any law to break. Still, everyone died. From the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even those who did not disobey an explicit command of God as Adam did, now Adam is a symbol, a representation of Christ who was yet to come. But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. There's this contrasting going on between Adam and Jesus. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the results of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we're guilty of many sins, a reality that we can all realize. That's Mm -hmm. one of the things we all have an internal awareness of, that sin or that that shame that Adam and Eve felt, we still feel today. Mm -hmm. Uh, We still have the sense that we do wrong things and that something needs to be made right. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Yes, Adam's one sin uh, brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. All of us following Adam sinned because of him. But because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. God's law was given so that people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Mm-hmm. Man, that passage just like sums it all up like in one fell swoop. It takes us all the way back to the Garden of Eden and says, okay, what, what you saw in the Garden of Eden is now reversed by Christ. It's, yeah. it's a regaining of what was lost. Where, and, and we're going to break this verse down a little bit with four points. Um, uh, basically, back to that question that you asked a second ago, what did Jesus accomplish? Yeah. We're going to lay that out. But it, it can all be drawn very easily out of this passage. I mean, there's very few pieces of Scripture that encapsulate it so comprehensively and so well. Oh, yeah, this whole passage is literally the crux of this whole idea of, yeah. of the fix or yeah. the, you know, how did things get made better? Like if you had Genesis chapter 3 and Romans chapter 5, that's all you need. Yeah. <laughs> like the rest is go. icing, you know? <laughs> it, it lays it all out. Well, take us into that first thing. What's, oh, oh no, excuse me. That's my, that's that's my point. That's uh, So the first thing that we know Jesus accomplished is that he became a human being as a display of God's love and mercy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and if we look back to the Philippians 2 verse that you read a second ago in, in uh, yeah. Philippians 2 verse 7, it says, he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. Try to... Let that sink in for a second, that that the almighty creator God descended to become a human being. Like the, the, the we sometimes use the term condescension, this idea that God came down from his rightful mm-hmm. place and joined us in our fallen, in our yeah. fallen place. Like he came down into the world that he made, but that we broke. And he did it so that he could save us. He did it because he loved us so much. So just not even getting to the sacrifice of Christ yet, the very fact of his coming was an incredible display of God's humility. And that's the power of John 3, 16, right? Yeah. Like, it's just the sheer display of love and mercy. Everything yeah. you just said, yeah. Definitely. There's so much more that could be say about, said about the way that he came, and, and we'll save that for future episodes, but it's so powerful, and I, I just think just that alone is a moment to pause and give gratitude to God, saying, you 
came down from your perfect dwelling to come and help us wallowing in our in our sin and our brokenness. And with Thanksgiving, it's the perfect time to yeah. know, just be oh, yeah, thanks just and gratitude. Pause and, totally. and give thanks for that. All right, what's next? Um, our second point, it was that he lived a morally perfect life of complete obedience to the Father. And that's something that I kind of hearkened to a little earlier when we talked about, like, he was tempted just as, you know, as, as all people are tempted, but but he did not sin. Yeah. He he lived a morally perfect life and that's important as you look at Jesus as the lamb of God. Yeah. And and ultimately with his sacrifice he was the spotless sacrifice. He was the yeah. spotless lamb. Yeah. And so and so that element is extraordinarily important yeah. in all this. Yeah, I I don't think we should Sometimes we think about like Jesus is coming and we're like, oh, Christmas, he came mm-hmm. and what a great thing that is. And, and just as we did a moment ago, we recognize the the, the, the beauty of that. Um, and then sometimes we rush ahead to the death, burial, and resurrection because yeah. that's such that's the powerful crescendo of, of the, mm-hmm. the Jesus narrative, at least of his time on earth. Um, but we missed the middle part, which you is- You gotta appreciate the melody, man. Yeah, he, he came and he did. He came and he lived a perfect life. And part of his undoing of what Adam did is that he showed up and he he succeeded where Adam and Eve failed. Mm-hmm. Um, he faced a, a time of intense temptation. I would say far greater temptation than what Adam and Eve mm-hmm. experienced, because um, all they had was a brief conversation with Satan. Satan uh, with Jesus so took well. whisked him around and 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 just laid out every possible all yeah yeah. Um, and so Jesus faced the temptation. He lived the human life, and he lived it in this fallen world, and he did it without ever sinning. Yeah. He remained the spotless lamb, the perfect sacrifice that was necessary to to cover the sins of the world. And even more than, or even like also with that, I wouldn't say more than that, but also with that mm-hmm. is the idea that we can now look to Jesus as we can read back through scripture and see how Jesus handled things, how he answered things, how he, how he lived his life. And that's our call into how we are to model our lives after. Yeah. There's no better example than Jesus because he lived a perfect life. Yeah. And that's the life that God wants for us. It's not, you know, it's it's not something that we, you know, can achieve mm-hmm. in this life because we have sinned because of brokenness, but it's something that we are to shoot, you know, are, are to, you know, use as this example of, of how we should be living. Yeah. Yeah, he he gave us a clear a clear example to follow. Where, where previously we had the word of God given, you know, in the Old Testament and such, but um, just as we read a second ago in Romans chapter five, what we read in the Old Testament is largely the law, the law that was mm-hmm. meant to reveal to us our brokenness and our fallenness and to remind us that we're not what we meant to be. Yeah. Where Jesus came and he gave us a picture, a very tangible, mm-hmm. you know, human picture of what it means to live according to God and to live in obedience to him. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's really important. Number three, uh, he satisfied the justice of God by offering himself as a worthy sacrifice for sin. And, and this is this is where um, you'll hear some scholars talk about that Jesus had to be God because it was only that divine sacrifice that the death of God himself come into human form mm-hmm. was the only sacrifice that would be sufficient to cover the sin and guilt of all mankind for all time. Mm-hmm. And and you even hear this again in Romans chapter 5, and this is why I love this passage so much, is he, he talks about how God's gift was greater than the failure of Adam. Yeah. That God's gift of grace through Jesus Christ overwhelms 
uh, and, and is is so plentiful, it's, it's infinite in value. There is no amount of sin that that kind of sacrifice, the sacrifice given by God himself, can't cover. Um, so, so Jesus came, he sacrificed himself, and he satisfied the judgment, the justice of God. Remember, when Adam and Eve sinned, it was not possible for God to just say, eh, it's all right, no consequences, it's all good. Because part of God's essential nature is justice. God is a just God. He, somebody in this universe needs to be the guardian of what's right. Somebody needs to preside over what's right and wrong. And that's why each of us inside have a desire to see justice done. Yeah. We don't usually want it done to us. <laughs> if we fail, we want to get off the hook. But there's a reason why when you see, you know, a a child that was sexually abused, you desire to see justice done to the perpetrator. Mm-hmm. There's there's a righteousness in that. There's a goodness that says that should not be. That kind of evil should be punished. Evil should someone should settle the score. Something needs to make that right. And God is that God, mm-hmm. he, the scriptures tell us that justice belongs to God. He is a just and holy God. He cannot overlook and excuse sin and still be the just and holy God that he is at his core. Yeah. He must deal with sin. Yet, God is love. And so there, there's this tension. It's not a tension. It's actually like a, there's a, there's a, harmony. a harmony. There's a harmony that's created between God's... It feels like a tension to us, but it's really a harmony yeah. It's it's a God. It's a harmonious blend of God's attributes that he's a just God that must, he must protest against sin. He must do something about it because his, his nature, it's part of his nature to do. I won't say that his nature demands it, um, yeah. but he it's must do it because it's a part of who he is and he, he does not act in a way other than than who he is. But he's also love. And Jesus is this is this this harmonious expression. Though, though tragic in some ways, um it's a harmonious expression of God's justice being fulfilled mm-hmm. because punishment for sin was being done, but that his love was manifested so powerfully because when God unleashed his wrath, he unleashed it upon himself. Mm-hmm. He unleashed it upon his own son. Um the the one who he uh who he sent to, to become our sacrifice. Man, it gets me choked up just thinking about it. Um, number four. And the fourth point is that uh, he broke the power of death with his resurrection and made an eternal home with God possible. Hmm. He, he broke the power of death. Like That's why we sing in many different songs on the weekend or whatever, like, is, is this idea of death, where is your sting? Yeah. Because he broke the power of it. Yeah. Death has no hold over us anymore. It's not something that we need to fear. It's not something that is that is a, a final you know, conclusion to the story. Yeah. No, as we talked about earlier, a few episodes <clears throat> ago, is God, he made us to last forever. Yeah. And he made us to be with him forever. And Jesus makes that possible. As you talked about, you know, with his sacrifice, um, you know, as 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 he takes the sin of all of mankind, but then with his conquering of death, he proves you know that he is God. He 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 has control, conquer, master over death, yeah. and therefore we now can live with God forever in heaven. Yeah, because death has no power. Yeah, death was a result of sin and the result of God's judgment. Yeah. But with God's wrath and God's judgment or God's justice, justice. satisfied, mm-hmm. death no longer has, as, as the as the New Testament writers say, has a sting. Yeah. He's 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 ripped out the teeth of death. He has. I, I I get this 
picture in my head. It's very defanged the serpent. It's yeah, yeah. Oh wow. There you go. Uh, in a sense, it, it's like it, it's like death is this pit, and Jesus is sacrificed like this pit that could seemingly never be filled. That it was large enough to to accommodate all of mm-hmm. mankind, but Jesus's death was so such an overwhelming flood that it just overwhelmed the power of death. Death mm. is overwhelmed by the sacrifice of Christ. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about what receiving that looks like in a minute because that's, that's an important aspect. But I, I'll stop here because there's, a, <clears throat> there's this poem that I love. Some of you may have read it before. It's by John Donne. Uh, it's pretty old, and so it's written in kind of an old old English style with these and thous and stuff. So I won't read well, the entire... we're getting into the Dickens season, this works. <laughs> that's true. Uh, I won't read the whole thing, though it's not very long. I'd encourage you to read it. I found it online. If you just go online and uh, and Google Death Be Not Proud uh, by John Donne, uh, you'll, you'll find it. Uh, but I want to read these last two lines because it, it kind of gives a picture of what death is like for the believer. Uh, it says, One short sleep past, we wake eternally, and death shall be no more. Death, thou shalt die. I love this picture that Jesus, in essence, put death to death. Yeah. He abolished the power of death. Um, we'll, we'll, let's, let's keep going. But I, I just love that verbiage. I, I, I always read that around Easter time because when I'm thinking about the resurrection, sure. that there's, a, that, there's that power that's contained within that. But I'm sure, I just I'm sure we'll that. bring it back up around Easter. Yeah. Death, thou shalt die. I love this poem is an indictment on death. Like, your days are numbered, death. Mm. And, and the whole poem is about him saying, like, yeah, you come for everyone. But you have no power. Yeah. And I love it. Uh, okay, so so kind of wrapping up uh, today's discussion, it, kind of in summary, it, with Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, he eradicated the power of sin and death. He undid what Adam did. Adam and Eve's sin is um, decisively, um, in a sense, negated by the work of Christ. But... There's more to say on that. There's there's more to understand. You want to take us into those next couple couple thoughts? Well, it goes back to what we talked about um, in our last episode with the idea of free will. Yeah. Um, you know, God does not take us by force, and you know, so it's 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 our choice whether we want to accept. Christ as our Lord and Savior. It's our choice if we want to walk with him. It's our choice if we want to be with him for eternity. I've heard it put this way. I forget if it was Frank Turek or or Greg Kokel or one of them, but they were like, you know, had said, you know, God loves you so much that he's not going to force you to be in his presence for eternity if you don't want to. Yeah. And it's just such this huge idea that, that God made us to be creatures of free will. He He gave us the choice because love, it, it comes from choice. Is We have to choose to love. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, is we'd be automatons kind of thing. It's it's not love. Yeah. It's, I, it's so, I, I hear people say, I hear the, the question come up from time to time. If God knew that by giving us free will, we would turn on him or that we could turn on him, why would he do that? Yeah. And they sometimes even make that a self-centered thing where they say, like, if God knew I would sin and I'd experience pain because of it, like, why would he give me free will? But you're you're missing the whole point of creation if you mm-hmm. say that. Because God's desire has always been, and the very reason he made mankind is because he desired to have genuine relationship with creatures mm-hmm. made in his image on the basis 
of love. Yeah. And love means mutual choice. Mm-hmm. Without mutual choice, without a decision, like, like with my wife and I, it's not love if we don't choose each other. Yeah. You know, I think of my kids. I, I desperately want my kids to love me. But in the end, it would mean nothing to me if they, if they had no ability to choose otherwise. Mm-hmm. Their love for me only has value because if they wanted to, they could turn away from me. That's, that's what gives it its purpose. That's what gives it its value. And so, like, we, we, we can object to the idea of free will because it, of all the problems that it's brought. But all we can do is, all we can do if we want to assign the blame is look to ourselves. Yeah. We're the ones who sinned. We're the ones who turned. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so when you look back to the Garden of Eden, and remember the question I brought up last week, and I don't know if I, I really wrestled with it adequately, but the question was, why would God, as we've already said, give us free will, knowing that we might turn from him, and we did turn from him. Mm-hmm. In fact, he knew we would turn from him. Yeah. And then why would God place Satan in the garden at, where he could tempt us and, and sort of help us fully actualize our free will to either choose God or, or choose not God? It's because that was the only way that genuine relationship based on mutual choice could ever happen. Yeah. To, to, to ask for something other than that would be to ask for a world where love did not exist, where love was not real. And apparently God did not think that kind of world worth making. No, definitely not. And again, as we talked about earlier, is, is, is God, you know, it is our choice. Yeah. And it's a choice that a- anybody can make. Like and, and that's it's such a big point is that is that it, it's God's ha- extended hand is open to all people. Yeah, you know there is nobody that that He won't take who wants to yeah. be in relationship with Him. Yeah, great. All right, well let's. I, I want to wrap us up with something that we we haven't yet done on the show. Um, but what we want to start, we, we we can't talk about the atonement. We can't talk about Jesus's yeah. death, burial, and resurrection without an opportunity to to receive that. Um, I don't know what your background is. I don't know where you come from. Uh, I know that this goes out on YouTube and as a podcast, which means it can go to anybody. Uh, and I have a feeling that especially you YouTubers, um, some of you are watching this and you've never ever made a decision to trust Christ. And you're hearing us talk. You may have, you may have listened to many episodes, but I want to take this as a moment to, I want to help you make the rubber meet the road here. Um, if you've been kind of exploring Christianity or you're not sure or that kind of stuff, I want to give you an opportunity in this moment, in this episode, to say, I'm going to make a definitive choice on this. I'm going to decide to trust in Jesus for the first time. Um, or maybe it's a recommitment. Maybe it's a, maybe it's saying, maybe I was I grew up you know, in a Christian home or that kind of thing, but I kind of got away. Whatever, whatever the case may be, I want to give you a moment to, to, with gratitude and with honesty of heart, to say, Jesus, I want you in my life. And and I don't want the curse of Adam and Eve. I want the healing that you can give. Uh, I want a solution, not just to the piddly little problems of my life, the, the symptoms, but I want to cure the disease, the root cause. And so I, I was a youth pastor for many years. And so I, I'm going to lead you in just a very simple, the, sim- the simplest way that I know to explain the process of saying yes to Jesus um, using the ABCs. Great. You ever heard those before? No. The ABCs, they're, they're super, super simple. When you read the New Testament, especially in Romans and, and throughout, um, we know that these three elements um, are sort of the thing that positions us 
to receive Christ. Uh, the first one is we admit that we've done wrong. That's the first step. We, we, cannot, we cannot receive the forgiveness of Christ if we don't believe that we need the forgiveness of God. Um, so the first step is to admit, I've done wrong things. I've messed up. Uh, I have done things that separate me from God that have broken my relationship with him. So that's the first step. The second step is B. So A, B is believe. Believe that Jesus is who he said he was. And don't mistakenly think that he didn't call himself God. And don't mistakenly think that he didn't realize or didn't somehow know that he was the Lamb of God who came to take away the sin of the world. So believe that Jesus is who he said he was and that he has the power to save you from, from the, the fate that God's, just, that God's justice demands. And then third is call. That's the C. Call on Jesus to be your Savior. So admit that you've done wrong, believe in Jesus and who he said he was, and call on him to be your Savior. And I'll just pray with you real quick, and um, wherever you are, you can pray this with me. Keep your eyes open in the car. Do, do whatever you want to do. Um, but if you either want to reconnect and kind of reaccept Christ today and, and you've gotten away and you want to reestablish that, or if you never have and you've just been exploring and this is, this is going to be a pivotal moment for you, then just pray this with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you hear me now. I thank you for making me. I thank you for all the blessings that you've given me all my life. I thank you for sending your son as the payment for my sin. I admit that I've done wrong. I admit that it's because of me that I have a broken relationship with you. I believe that Jesus is who he said he was, that you sent him, that you yourself became man in order to die to pay for all that I've done wrong. I don't want to live with shame. I don't want to live with guilt. And I don't want to be separated from you eternally. So I'm calling on you now to be my Savior. Jesus, I receive you. I don't understand it all. I don't have all the answers. But I believe that you can heal what's most broken inside me. I want to have a home with you in heaven when I leave this earth. I want a purpose for my life today. And I want all my past wiped away. I want to begin a new life with you starting now. I thank you for hearing me. I thank you for your incredible gift. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Man, if you did that, congratulations. And I would love to know that you did that. If, if you decided to pray that prayer with us today, by the way, there's no power in the prayer. What, what we're doing there is just trying to trying to acknowledge a, a, a setting of the heart, a disposition mm-hmm. of the heart toward God, a, a disposition of acceptance of his gift. Uh, and if you did that today, if you kind of made that explicit through that prayer, um, send us an email at maturity at saddleback.com. Nothing would make me happier this Thanksgiving than to know that you that you decided to do that. So send an email to me. Or you know what? Email me directly. Don't even send it to maturity. Email <laughs> me at dougj at saddleback.com. I want to I hear that from you. And we will, we will rejoice to get that email. Um, <laughs> All right, Jason, take us home with a couple last doable steps. That was one of our doable that steps, was one by of, the way. That was the kind most of important the doable, of the doable step. step, but we'll talk about some other things as well. That's always good to do. Yeah. Um, the next thing is, is to tell others about him. It's not called the good news for no reason. Yeah. It's called the good news because it is the answer to the big problem, right? If you've been following this conversation, then you know that there is this big problem that encompasses all of humanity, yeah. and... This, we believe, is the answer for Ford. It's Jesus. So tell others about him. And, um, and then um, 
another thing is we've been talking a lot about who Jesus is today. Hmm. Spend some time to go back through one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, or Luke, or John. And or just, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Or, <laughs> hey, do, do all of all. them if you want, yeah. yeah. Um, but just spend some time to go back through one or all of those and just spend some time with Jesus in that. Spend some time reading about him. Spend some time re- reading about his his birth in Luke, and spend some time reading about you know his life and in uh, his death and what he did for us. Yeah. So that's just a big encouragement. Yeah. Um, and, and maybe it's to go back in Luke because we're entering in Christmas and you get the whole um story of his birth and whatnot yeah oh yeah that's that's a great idea so we get into the advent season which means coming which we'll talk about uh i think we'll do some episodes on that coming up i think we'll do some episodes on those and maybe some fun uh other yeah we've got some other ideas so stick with us we've got some some fun ideas for the christmas season coming up but let's not jump the gun here it's thanksgiving week we want to wish you a very very happy thanksgiving stay safe enjoy your families um don't forget to say thank you to god we're thankful for you um That's it. Have a great week. We'll see you next Tuesday. If you're a podcast listener and you enjoyed this episode, consider giving us a rating or a review on iTunes. If you do, you'll help other people find us in the future. And if you're thinking, hey, listening's great, but is there a way I can watch these episodes? Yeah, there is. Subscribe to the Saddleback Church YouTube channel for video versions of these conversations, plus lots of other video content. And if you're already watching us on YouTube, subscribe to the podcast so you can listen in the car or wherever else you go. Lastly, you can always get in touch with us by emailing maturity at saddleback.com. Send us your thoughts, send us your questions, your Bible questions, your life questions, whatever. Who knows, your question just might inspire an upcoming episode. Thanks again for tuning in to Doable Discipleship. I'm Doug Jones, and I hope you'll join us again next week.